When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's popping, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's Trade Deadline Day Edition. It's trade deadline's over now, but you know, it's still an edition, and we're recording on trade deadline day, hence trade deadline edition. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Tim Shields. But I'm also also joined by one of my original harm rays, my original homies, co-hosts in crime. Mr. Will Weir, all the way from Austin, Texas. Will was also with us when I flew out to Boston. We all chilled together. Will took me to Wahlburgers. We went and got ourselves a Wahlburger. No, I did not meet Danny Wahlberg. Yes, I am still salty about it. What's popping, y'all? Yo, what's good, guys? Good to be back. And Adam, we, Greg and I, you know, we tried to call in some of the local favors to make it happen. You know, if we have a little bit more time, we'll we'll make it happen next time you come around. Yeah, I'm just saying. Isn't it? I just want to be friends with Danny <laughs> Wahlberg. I don't understand. He's not even the most famous Wahlberg. <laughs> well, we know one of the lesser famous Wahlbergs. That's our connection. So that's that's our neighborhood connection to try to try and make it happen. So we're, we're gonna <laughs> climb the we're gonna climb the ranks of the Wahlberg uh, fame ladder, and we're gonna we're gonna try and make it happen next time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to get a feature, dude. I just want to be in an episode of Blue Bloods. I just want to. <laughs> I don't even know if it's still airing, but if it is, I want in. I think if so. it's not, relaunch. I think so. Maybe <laughs> I could it's be there. A crazy deadline. Yeah, so you're just going straight into the basketball talk. We're not going to chill. <laughs> I, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know Everything I mean, that's happened? What's it's happened? Been a mess. It's, what do you mean? All right. So, well, I mean, for one, in terms of Celtic stuff, they went out and they got a big. Uh, and I think it was a good pickup. I think Mike Mascala was a good pickup, considering the money. Mike Mascara. Um, Mascala. Mascara. Are you saying Muscala. mascara like a, like a lady puts like on mascara? mascara? No, it's yeah. Mike Muscala. I know that's I'm, the correct I'm, I'm way. Just I'm asking addicted. Adam how he pronounces it. <laughs> no, we, it's all Muscala, know, I, we all I'm know you. Being... We can barely understand what Adam says half. Of yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, uh, okay, full disclosure. That's a bit of an inside joke, but yeah, Mike Muscala. I'm just being addicted. Um, I, li- <laughs> I, I like to pick up. I think I tweeted this out as well, and I definitely want your guys' thoughts, but. When it comes to being able to just slot into what the Celtics are already doing, just being like that five out big that can shoot the three consistently, is a good screener. Um, up on, I checked on Synergy, and most of his um, pick and roll plays come through pick and pops. Very rarely does he operate as the roll man. He'll slip more than he'll set the screen and roll. Um, I think he just fits really well into that Horford type role. And the only downside is, I just think this takes away minutes from Blake Griffin, who was, I must say, extremely fun to watch against Philly. Yeah, that was uh, the barrage of threes he was hitting were were pretty electric the other night. You know, I, I tweeted out, it felt like it was a, you know, a, everyone everyone in the crowd took a shot of jolt soda every time Blake Griffin hit a three because it just kind of ignited the crowd. But, you know, I think with the with the Mascala move, you know, I, I'm still a little skeptical of how much this really is going to play into any type of postseason rotation. But I do really like this move for the regular season. I think it's kind of, you know, we heard the Kelly Olynyk rumors this is budget dollar store, you know, dollar general uh, 
Kelly Olynyk move, kind of. In, in in my opinion, I think Kelly could have played a role in the postseason. I'm not so sure about Muscala, but I, I think when you look at you know the big picture, it's really about how do we manage. You know, Rob continues to get little nicks and knacks here, so you want to preserve that. Al's getting older. He doesn't already doesn't play back to backs. The other night, the reason he didn't play against Philly, that was unexpected, right? He showed up to the arena. I think he had some some swelling in the knee in his knee. So it's precautionary, but you need a few more bigs to kind of sustain yourself to get to that finish line and have Rob and Al, you know, be able to be at full strength. So I think Mascala helps you to do that. And I think, you know, we talk about Blake knocking down all those threes last night. That was probably a little bit fluky. Muscala is a guy that you actually could, if you put him in that position, he's a guy that you can actually expect to shoot at a higher rate to knock down those reasons. It's not going to be surprising in the way that it was with Blake Griffin last night. So I think he slots in nicely just to be able to help the Celtics throughout the end of this regular season stretch to kind of maintain and set themselves up. Now, I think there's probably another move maybe coming here that we'll get to that, that we'll have to, you know, kind of speculate on. But as far as the actual move that was made today, didn't cost much couple seconds, which, by the way, I have no idea what a second round pick is worth anymore. That was the wildest part of today, Insane. Uh, which that just blew my mind. Just how many second round picks were flying around the NBA. 51. Today. But was the number 51? 51. <laughs> and the crazy part is 15 of those were in three deals. Because there were three different deals that involved five Boys. second round picks. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, Justin Jackson... Thank you. Appreciate you, my guy. Good luck. You know, in two second round picks for Mike Muscala, I, I think that's a quality depth addition here, and we'll see what the next move is. I think the big thing is it gives you a big that you can play alongside Rob. That's sort of if you want to try and go for the double bigs, you're able to rest Al a little bit. Definitely a floor spacer, which is good. Uh, almost a 38% shooter from deep on the career, uh, shooting almost 40% this season, and he's shooting, I think, almost a little bit over three attempts a game from three. So again, I think it just gives you a different look. And I mean, Blake looked fantastic against the 76ers. And to be honest, when they went into that game, I was really, really worried based on the fact that they didn't have Rob. They didn't have Al. The fact that they were able to pull off that win was really impressive looking at their, their big man depth and Cornette looked great too. So, you know, there wasn't as much pressure I think the asking price for a guy like Kelly Olynyk was going to be a lot in terms of salary. And from every indication from what other teams were saying about Danny Ainge and the Jazz, they were asking for way too much for pretty much all of their trades. So even if it was going to be with the Celtics, like I think they would have had to pay like way more than they were comfortable paying. Um, overall, I think it's good that Peyton Pritchard stays. You got Peyton Pritchard to be, you know, an insurance option on the bench. Mike Muscala comes in, allows you to eat up a little bit of those regular season minutes, um, which is a really good point, Will. And just being able to kind of give a little bit of a jolt of energy to this big man rotation. And it covers you, you know, you're able to play him a little bit more than I think. I think Cornette, there's certain situations that you can't turn to him. And I think right now, Muscala, I want to see like, just because of like spacing issues, right? Like you can't play... Cornet and Rob together really ever like that's just not going to happen. I think right now it gives you more of an option to stretch the floor because of what his skill set is. I am interested to see how quickly he adapts and what his first minutes are going to look like. Is he going to leapfrog Cornet in the rotation or is it going to be like a matchup based thing? Um, is he going to play more in these back to backs when you're resting? Uh, Al and even how many back to backs they have left the rest of the season. I'm not sure, but Overall, like I think it's a good move. It's a really small move, and it 
eats into that TPE, only 3.5 mil. You got him on a team option next year for the same amount. So all in all, like I think it's a really low cost move. And for a guy that wasn't playing any minutes for you in Jack in Justin Jackson, like it, it you couldn't really ask for a better move. Why couldn't Rob and Luke play together? I just think the spacing would not be as good. I think that's the problem. You don't really see Cornette really take many shots. Uh, obviously, Rob isn't taking a lot of threes or anything. So he just you're missing the spacing there, I think. That's see, my I think opinion. That'd be, I think that would be fine. Luke can shoot the three a little bit. He's definitely a good screener. You just have to run a lot of dive action. So you've always got one of the two on the, in the donker spot. Like you can make it work. I mean, I'm not saying it should happen at all. Yeah, it's not easy, right? I, think, I, think, I mean, just dive actions. I mean, I'm fine with Cornette shooting threes. Well, I feel like Luke kind of came to the Celtics. What was it last year or a year and a half? Came the reputation as a three point shooter. Right. And so, but he's, he's been reluctant in the way that he's been used, you know, definitely this year, you know, to really kind of let that thing fly. We've seen it once or twice and now it's kind of surprising when it happens, but that kind of was his reputation. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much time we want to spend this. I don't know if that's going to be, never gonna happen. I don't think it's going to be a lot of, no. we see all that much, but I'm just thinking of the I'm length, the, like, the, the length of it is kind of a fun, you know, experiment. Maybe if we get a hospital sees game where why not throw that out just to see what happens. I wouldn't, yeah. I, I would be interested in it anyways. I mean, I just, I like, I'm not saying I'm right or Tim's right. I was just saying like, you know, it was an interesting tidbit that I don't think I've ever considered before. Now I have considered it. I can move on. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, I, I'm cool with Mike Muscala. Um, Muscala, Muscala, Mascara. Um, I'm cool with him. I'm, I don't think we're going to see much of him um, in the playoffs at all because he's just going to be on the outside of the rotation. Obviously, if things don't go the way you want them to, i.e. there's injuries, he could end up playing a role, but then things are going bad. But outside of that, like, look, they moved. The thing that I took away from this the most was they moved a player to bring him in. They already had the open roster spot. They didn't necessarily have to move Jackson. I felt like that was Oklahoma kind of doing them a solid. These two teams have done deals with each other before. Obviously, they set Kemba down to Oklahoma as Brad's first move to bring Horford back. What happens is now you've traded away Jackson and brought Muscala back, or brought Muscala in. It's not like he's coming back, but you get what I mean. Um, you still have an open roster spot. Yep. You still have that Noah Varnley spot, but it was pretty much the first trade during the entire trade season, sitting there waiting to be filled. And that to me, like coming through the rest, like as trade deadline was wearing down, I'm like, the Celtics could make another move here. I don't know what it could be. They could package Pritchard and Gallo. They could look to move on from Grant. There was multiple avenues that were rumored to have been explored, but there was enough room on that roster to bring someone back. It didn't happen. So now I'm ex- expecting a trade deadline, oh, sorry, a buyout market pickup using most likely going to be the DPE, yeah. which is the disabled player exception. Which I think is about 3.2 million, I believe, is is what that is. And yeah, 3.23. You, yeah, and, and I know Keith Smith wrote about this on, on Celtics blog for us, just about the advantage that, that gives us in the buyout market, because there's typically a couple things that you know a, a guy in the buyout market is looking for. They're looking for playing time, compete for a championship, and then if all things are equal, who can pay me just a little bit more to come in? And, you know, even if I'm not going to get all this time, I'm going to get a little bit more money, you know, make, you know, make me, you know, make me accountable or give me the money I want, uh, you know, during this time. And so I think the Celtics do have a little bit of an edge. So that's really where I think probably the next move is at this point. And it was really the only option at this point is to go ahead and, and get a bio guy. You don't have any other moves. And so 
you know, I was looking at some of the other moves that were happening, and that was really where my eye started to go after the Mascala trade. Is all right with these other moves that are happening, and then Pirtle, as you uh, you know, was moved the night before. It kind of felt like okay, sounds like Pritchard and Gallo are safe at this point. We just need to look around and see what other moves are going to lead to buyouts from either guys being moved to teams that don't need them, or you know, some of the guys like Will Barton that's been talked about as a potential buyout guy, and I believe it just got reported uh, right before we hopped on here that that looking likely. And so now you start to look at all right, who is who? Are the, who can the Celtics target? And given you know the the injury to Jalen Brown last night, which I don't think I don't know. Have you guys heard any updates as to how 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 long that's going to be? I see you guys shaking your. The head. last thing I heard was that, um, and I think Shams tweeted this out overnight. Was uh, it's going to be for the All Star break? But the mm-hmm. biggest thing that never really got picked up on from that tweet was he's going to have to see a specialist before yeah. they tell you. Yeah, yeah, today actually. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming so, we might get some kind of update tonight, if anything, or tomorrow. And so, and so that's a big yeah. part of like this buyout candidate now, which was not a thing up until obviously last night, right? Is that you need some insurance even just for the regular season. So I know a lot of this has been focused on can this guy, you know, is this guy going to whoever the, the the extra wing, whether it was a trade or a buyout previously, you know, are they going to play in the postseason? Well, right now I'm just a little bit more worried about making sure we have that supplemental player for the short term. And so that's when you start looking at the candidates that might be out there, the Will Bartons, the Danny Greens, who was moved today, you know, the Terrence Ross, who potentially might get, get bought out. And now they're going to have, at least in the interim, some opportunity to come in and play immediately to help supplement those, those missing Jalen Brown minutes for, you know, we'll see how long that time is, but that's another factor that's going to play into the Celtics pitch of, Hey, come be, come compete for a championship. And you're going to have an opportunity to shine right away because we need to to fill these Jalen Brown minutes. You're not interested in sliding Russell Westbrook up to the fray. Absolutely not. I know you're joking, but oh god, that's a hard oh, pass, my guy. We are, we already have one. We can't have two six man of the year candidates. You know, I mean, we we only we already have Malcolm. Well, hang on, we can't, ha- we can't have two. <laughs> Could be cool. <laughs> I was just being facetious. I'd be very upset if Russell Westbrook ended up on this. Be scary. What I will ask is, do you think that Kevin Durant joining Phoenix and now they've got what is Durant Booker? CP3, eight. I mean, they're just their starting fives just painful. Do you think they hold a buyout edge over Boston now? Because coming into today, before that trade happened, and I say today because the trade happened at 6 a.m. my time, um, I was like, no, no one has more of a compelling like offer sheet for a buyout guy than Boston. Like, not only do you get paid more, but you're going to be on the number one team in the league with the best chance of contending. All of a sudden, Phoenix can come in like, yo, you want to play back up to KD? Book, CP3, Aiden. Like, we, we got them all. Like, you just name Western Conference guys. We've got a lot of them. Um, I feel like that could be an issue where Boston might miss out on their primary target because Phoenix go and get them. Yeah, I think that's a fair concern. That was my first thought as soon as it happened. I was like, they gave up a good amount of depth in that deal. Um, it definitely worth it because it's a player of KD's caliber. And now you're at a point where your top five is so stacked that you're going to be able to convince a lot of free agents that hit the buyout market of you know going over. I know Terrence Ross is a guy that's potentially a buyout candidate. And there's a bunch of other guys who are going to probably hit you know, hit waivers on this buyout market in the next 24 to 48 hours. So I think it's good that the Celtics were already even days before tied to Will Barton. That gives me like some kind of confidence that something's going to happen there um, as they're working out that buyout between him and the Wizards. But there should be some concern. But 
I, I think the one thing that helps is the Celtics being in the East right now. The Nets aren't going to really be a problem or not like a serious contender. You saw what the Celtics did to the 76ers while they were down three starters and then missing a fourth for the entire second half. Right now, it feels like it's probably a two or three team race in the East. And if the Celtics are where they're at right now and they have the most money to offer, I think they still should be able to get the guy they're at. And if it, if it is Will Barton, then I, I think they've got a really good chance of netting him. Maybe we'll just start playing players with second round draft picks. Apparently that's the move. That's the going rate these days, man. Like I, I tweeted this out several times today because I just I, I've lost all control of of or all semblance of an idea of how much a second round pick. So now like I feel like anytime someone's like, You think we can get this guy? All we have is a couple seconds. I have to say yes. Like it's gotta be yeah. an option, right? Like just how many do you have? Because apparently you can throw a certain number. I mean, even if you look at the uh the Josh Hart deal, which I loved for the Knicks, by the way, last night. That conditional first round pick or protected first round pick, if that doesn't convey, it becomes four seconds. So there's like, you know, five or six deals today that were just three to five and ranging from anywhere from three to five second round picks that were were sending players all over the league. So the the equity of or the, you know, the yeah, the equity of, of a second round pick has never been higher, apparently. I just don't get it, right? Like Jay Crider, five second round five. picks. That I remember tweeting, like, that's a lot. But then I'm like, then you think, who else went for five? Then there was somebody else after Gary Payton. Uh, Gary, Gary Payton, Payton went back, <laughs> and I'm like, Wiseman technically, or Wiseman slash Bay in that mix. Yeah, room. yeah. And five like, second round picks. How do you, how do you now talent evaluate in terms of how many picks a player's worth? I mean, for for Golden State losing a, a first round like top pick in Wiseman for five seconds is a kick in the nuts, dude. Like, but it was just never going to work. Like, they're mm-hmm. just they're not too. You can't, and I've said this during Boston's kind of tougher seasons, the, the worst thing you can do when you're trying to contend is straddle that line where you're developing guys at the same time. Like, hey, we've got a contending roster now, but we've also got three guys that are going to make us contenders in five years. No, dude, it's not going to work. You only get a 15-man roster. If four of them are like proper roar and can't play, not only are you limiting their ability to be good in the future, you're limiting your ability to be good now. Like it's just a kick in the nuts, though, right? It feels like a first round pick wasted for them. Um, but that's their problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, I feel like you know, there was a couple of times when I was looking at trades that were happening, I was like, Boston could have got in on that. I mean, one thing I want to say is that KD one. The first thing I asked people this morning once I'd kind of woke up properly was how much did Jalen Brown getting injured in that game speed up the trade to Phoenix? Like, if there was really a discussion going on, now we don't know if there was, but if there was, say Jalen Brown's on the table in a trade discussion, mm-hmm. and personally, I think if he was, he wouldn't have been playing in that game anyway. But say he was, and, you know, the, Brad Stevens is like, yo, we'll speak later after the game, blah, blah, blah. Boom, Jalen Brown gets injured. Joe Sai's like, well, I don't want none of that. <laughs> I'll go take some of this. But it was like the package that Boston were rumored to be giving up, like Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, or Derek White, like mm-hmm. real solid guys. And then it's like, ah, oh, dude, just, just have a few wings, have a Jay Crowder, a couple of draft picks. Like, I'm not saying these guys were bad players, but I just felt like the disparity in the offer sheets from what Boston were being rumored to offer to being to what actually took KD over to Phoenix just felt a little bit off to me. 
Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, comparison, right? Like, what would you rather have if this were on the table? If you're, if you're, uh, if you're Brooklyn, right? Would you rather have Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, Derek White, and a pick or two picks, or would you rather have the four unprotecteds and then go and then have the, you know, the Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and I really like Mikael Bridges. I don't, I think he's oh, probably that. He's he's that guy. He's like a Marcus Smart type in the sense that high-end role player probably not an all-star but maybe he's still i mean he's only he's 26 he's a little bit older than i think people actually realize because he was in college for so long um but you know he's he's somewhere along that line so super super role player maybe borderline all-star so what would you rather have and i think that's a a really interesting debate to think about of, of which way that that you would go. I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. They, they made their decision. And it's, it's gone, you know, the way that it has, but that is interesting to think about if you were Joe Sai and the, in the nets and that those were your two options, which one, you know, would you go with? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy. Sorry. Go on. Tim, no, go on. Say, I'm, I'm happy. KD's gone West. The whole Nets team went west. The whole the two all two starting all stars in the East are now out west before the imagine, before the All Star game. Could you imagine how pissed you must be being like Joe Sai and being like, "Yo, we rebuilt. We like we had this terrible trade with Boston. The bottom falls out before it even gets started. We rebuild. We screw over Kenny Atkinson, who got us back to being competitive. Like we bring in Kenny Atkinson, we develop guys." We screw him over. Which, which by the way, this is kind of a Kenny Atkinson roster right now. So I wonder if they, yeah. if they look. Oh, yeah. Back. This is kind of a perfect <laughs> roster for his skill set. But continue. <laughs> they bring Kenny Anderson in. He helps get them competitive, makes them a destination. You know, they're developing guys. They've got draft picks, blah, blah, blah. They go and get KD. They go and get Kyrie. They screw over a few more people to go and bring. I mean, right now, they're probably thinking, man, we really could have done with um, Jarrett Allen right now. But, um, you know, they screw a few people over to bring in Harden and then screw over Atkinson to bring in Nash. Everything goes trash for a year or two, just doesn't work. Then they screw over Nash to bring in Jacques Vaughn. And then Kyrie is just like, ha, now you screwed everyone over and you got nothing left. Deuces, I'm done. KD is like, yeah, me too. I ain't staying. And now the Nets are right back where they were four years ago. And I'm just like, dude, you, you traded for two of the most volatile guys in the NBA and put them together. What did you expect was going to happen? This is what happens when people pick their teammates, right? Like, I feel like that's the whole situation that you're looking at now. And there's even murmurs of what happens when Kyrie's contract is up. Does he stay with Dallas or does he potentially look at Phoenix? Because Phoenix had, you know, interest in there. So like, does Phoenix deal with that stuff? Cause I don't know if they do like, how can anyone be like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. I'm going to pair these guys together. Cause like again. what could possibly go <laughs> again? Like what could possibly go wrong? So the fact is, is just everything that happened with Kyrie leading to this whole meltdown and just, he really kind of was the heart of the issues for them. And it, it it's kind of just crazy going into this deadline and realizing how fast things happen. Like as soon as Kevin Durant got dealt, like the floodgates opened. Yeah. It, it was the same kind of reason. Like I thought looking at Toronto, like I thought Toronto was going to get more involved today. You know, they got Jakob Pearl and then that was pretty much it. Like they're staying pat. They're going to roll it out with whatever they've got. Um, you know, there was rumors about OG Ananobi being on the move, Golden State, Memphis being interested in him and nothing ever coming of it. But a lot of these teams just where they're at right now, the East is very different. The East, like, 
got a facelift overnight. And all of a sudden, like the West is way more concentrated. <laughs> you look at those teams out there. Like I feel bad for John Morant, who is like, yeah, I ain't worried about the West. And then like you fast forward like a couple months and all of a sudden, like you might have a problem out West. Things are yeah. a little it crazy. Like the pro- John Morant's problem is called Shannon Sharp. Didn't you know? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Him oh, and I'll get getting along, but okay. yeah, the, the West, the West is crazy, man. And, and when you think about, so this is the part that I, I when I had a moment to breathe during the deadline that I, I really started to think about this Nets team that we're talking about that all of a sudden is in this weird rebuild and recoup assets. They're 10 games over 500. Like they're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. I think they're two and a half games or two games out of third place in the conference. And, you know, when KD got hurt, it was in this is the other part. If KD never gets hurt, are we still at this position today or is this all from you know a couple weeks of of KD being out that we ended up here because when KD was healthy they were surging to be the the 3 seed the 2 seed and all things considered you know they kind of steadied the ship well enough to kind of be around 500 which is really the goal when KD went down it's like all right all we need to do is is keep this around 500 we're going to be in striking distance of that 2 through 5 seed roughly you know in, in the east and they're still there like they've actually kind of accomplished the goal and it felt like things were becoming steady and then since basically they got annihilated by the Celtics it has all fallen apart in less than a week like it has gone from you know one end of the spectrum completely to the other and I can't ever think of a team that that was this you know and it's hard to claim that this team is successful but it felt like they were in a successful stretch finally after all this turmoil and then all of it fell apart with you know, within a week. So I, I think it's just so strange for how this all flipped. And, you know, Tim, you're saying like the, the East is a completely different conference today than it was four days ago. Like this is dramatically different where now the Nets have this odd compilation of all-star role players that isn't bad, but they're certainly not the threat that they once were. And so you kind of got to remove them from the contender equation, they'll be frisky, but they're no longer really a contender. And so now you're kind of down to Milwaukee, Boston. I, I would still keep Philly in that mix and maybe Cleveland, Miami looking on the outside, looking in, but it's, it's definitely a different feel to the, the, the top depth of the conference right now. Were you guys surprised that Miami and Chicago just did nothing? I mean, Miami like, don't really have the assets, right? Yeah. They don't have, yeah. Like, what, who are you trading? What, what other than, so they've got Yurt's that's been injured for most of the season. Like you can't really trade him. You got, got Jovich. Or Omar Robinson. Is. is it Omar Robinson? Um I think so. Orlando uh, Robinson. Uh, Orlando. Orlando, that's yeah. it. Sorry. I don't watch a lot of Miami basketball. And they got Duncan either. Robinson. So they got two Robinsons. But so, three, but like, Robinson want Duncan Robinson. That Nobody Robinson contract's rough. Like, talk about somebody that fell like Robin Duncan Robinson was looked at as like the quintessential modern day movement shooter and now he's looked at as the biggest albatross in the NBA. It's wild how much he fell from grace. But they don't have much to trade. You're going to trade Carl Lowry that's got half a good knee. <laughs> no one wants Carl Lowry. You're going to try and trade Jimmy Butler's like your heart. Like Jimmy Butler might yeah. be old, but he's still producing. And unless you're moving Butler, Bam, or Hero, which then doesn't make any sense for, you know, unless you're getting something back in return that would, you know, help that. Like it's just, I, I think Miami wanted to do something. I just don't think they had a lot of options. Chicago, on the other hand, to your point, Tim, 
I, I don't know why they didn't do anything. They like, came I, like, close, right? They, 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 were in, they were deep into trade talks with New York for they had Levine. some Levine, Levine right? I, I don't. Yeah. I never. Do you guys ever see any rumors of what the package would have been? I, I floated out the idea Five of a few of my Knicks friends. One lightly protected first. Ob Toppin and five seconds. second round picks. That's the that's the that's the or Fournier Fournier in five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I floated this idea to a few Nick friends of mine, and and they, to be honest, were not very into this idea. I think you there's a I, I did a quick some quick trade machine, you know, uh, magic to try to see what they could have done. There's ways to get there that it's like oh, I could see this, but you know, but yeah, the the Bulls, I I don't the Bulls and Raptors are the two teams that. That you 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 hit on one of you touched on the Jakob Pertle trade that made no sense to me because no. there was no move afterwards. Like I was like, okay, so you're making this move now, but you like I don't understand where you're going. Like, are, are you doubling down on a team that's in 12th place right now? That's that's think, kind of the message I'm getting. I think the reason they went for Pertle is because they had interest in a keep in acquiring him during free agency. So by having him now, like you can you got more chance of convincing him to sign a new contract there. Especially if you give him a starting role now, and then if you do, then he's already got six months with these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So when, so then there's less of an integration period. I think they just did that to kind of give themselves the best chance of keeping him once he hits free agency. That's how I read into it because they were the team that were rumored to be highest on him during free agency anyway. So and they drafted him and they developed him before he went to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just their way of being like, hey, we want you back and we want to show you what role you could have so you yeah. can experience it and then you'll resign. R- real quick on Pirtle, did you guys see the the rumor deal of, of what the Celtics offered? Yeah. Of, of was it, I think it was Gallo, Pritchard, and, and they said, I think it was multiple seconds. So yeah, five second round picks <laughs> up to five second round picks. Maybe, <laughs> can you do a second round swap? I know you can do first round swaps. Can you do second round swaps? I think you can. I don't think anyone's ever tried. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever tried to, but maybe, maybe, maybe that could be the next, the next evolution of second round picks. But you know, what were your guys thoughts? Like, because personally, I never really thought Pirtle, the, the price of Pirtle made a ton of sense. It wasn't necessarily something I was super keen on, but you know, what were your guys' thoughts that that was was at least an offer the Celtics made? Was it something you were in favor of, or, or were you happy to see that the t- deadline is coming gone and, and that wasn't a move that was made? I like Pertle, but I'm just like, where are you going to get this stuff? How are you okay? Where are you going to fit him in, and how are you going to keep him happy? Right, this guy wants to be a starter. He's a twenty million dollar a year guy in his head in in free agency. So where are you going to give him $20 million worth of playing time at whose expense does he, do you slide him in as a starter? Like I got the idea of, Hey, we get him. And then if Grant wants to bounce at the end of the year, we can pay Pertle instead. I got that. But I was just again, like, I'm against letting Grant go. Um, obviously everybody has a point where you're just like, dude, nah, boy. Um, but I was against the Pertle deal. I think it just created more problems than it solved because again, as you said, he wants to be a starter and you're bringing him into a situation where you've already got Al Horford and Rob. He can't play alongside Rob. He's not going to leapfrog Rob as I continue to say, Rob. Um, so it's just like, what, what was the point? Like, what was the point? Was the noise just like there? Was it something they considered trying to buy low on a rental? And it just, you know, that was their offer to the Spurs because they already owe the Spurs a first rounder. And, you know, that was it. And they just made the offer. Spurs declined and they went with the Toronto deal. 
I'm guessing that's probably what it was. But overall, like, I think the move is okay for what they did to get Muscala instead. You know, again, it comes back to having that contract control. Realistically, the only thing that you could really do with Pirtle in the offseason is do like a sign in trade. Because unless you were moving Grant, you know, you're going to have to pay Grant. And you're already worried about, you know, that 18 to $20 million range for him. That clearly sparks some kind of dissent as we got into the trade deadline. So it, as much as I like Jakob Pirtle, I just don't, I don't really see the path where he could have been the player that he wants to be in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just a much more lower cost and for the, for the amount of money and, you know, picks and assets, whatever you want to call it in order to bring Muscala in, like it's just, just a bargain deal. Like it just makes a lot of sense. Low yeah, impact. I will say, yeah. I will say that Mike Muscala's rap video is awful. Oh, oh no, God. it's trash. It was trash. really bad. I, I did, did. So, he has an Atlanta basketball jersey in that. So was that like a team promo gimmick or was this like he just got some so. friends together and was like, yo, let's cut a rap. Let's cut a rap vid. Because- he was like, yo, I'm in the NBA. I've got some clout now. Let me try and be a rap star. So when I... And I he had one line in there where I, where he started talking about his baby mamas, and I, I thought it was going to go real off the rails, and it honestly turned kind of wholesome. Where he was He's just, like, I want, I want to, I want to have some babies and some grandkids, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, Mike. Like I, I thought you were going to get a little bit more risque with it. It's probably as bad as this is. It's probably gr- good that you kept it a little bit. But more then, like even anyways. sitting here, just like in my head, I'm like, I want to have some babies and some grandkids, so I can cross up some motherfuckers and leave some manskids. <laughs> like you could. Have just like flipped it quite quickly back there's to there's a lot of ways you could have gone i mean the guy went to bucknell i don't know if bucknell's known for their rapping program I, i'll go on a limb and say probably not <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i just hope he can defend better than he can rap well we'll see i mean here's the thing he's going to be flanked by a team of of stout defenders so at the very least as long as he can hold his weight you know he should be able to to you know be on the court and and i think we touched on this briefly uh, uh you know a good value part about the Mescala ad is that you know he has a team option or a club option as some people might say he's a club option for for next year and so you know with that who knows what's going to happen with Grant right I think I was never into the trading Grant idea I think last night against Philadelphia you saw the exact reason why I don't care about his struggles when you come to playoff time and you're playing Embiid and you're playing Giannis and you're playing Bam and up until a few hours ago when you were playing Durant, if you make it to the finals and you see Jokic, you want Grant. You want Grant as part of that rotation to throw out against them. We don't have a unicorn. We have a stable of players that we're going to run out there. Rob, Al, Grant, all going to give you different looks. And you saw how valuable Grant was. And so with Mascala, like if Grant does get to that negotiating point where it's too rich and maybe somebody comes in and makes them an offer and you decide not to match. You have a team option with Mascala. You have Danilo Gallinari who should be back next year. If not, you know, trying his hardest to get back this year, we'll see what happens. But you know, he, the two of them, maybe not ideal replacements, but they can, you know, help, you know, help keep things steady. So I think you have that optionality. So I think by far, when you look at what bringing in Pirtle would have done fit wise, like Tim said, and then having to get to the off season and it's like, are we paying Pirtle? Are we paying Grant? And like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't see it with Pirtle with the fit. And so I, I think overall Mascala was the way to go. If we're looking at just him versus Pirtle and the cost that it is for both, it's a no brainer that Mascala was the right way to go. 
I, I don't know how to argue here, and I really think we need more discourse, and I just don't have any. <laughs> Bring okay, back so, Daniel Tice. <laughs> slams the table. I will say this, that I do miss Daniel Tice. Right, so just to round out the show, uh, I know, Tim, I can see here in the private chat you sent a message that says, Boston's entire starting five is on the... Okay, this is from Taylor Snow as well. I need to credit. Boston's entire starting five is on the injury report for tomorrow's game versus Charlotte. Jalen Brown, facial fracture. We've touched on this. Al Horford, knee swelling. We'll mention this. Marcus Smart, ankle sprain. We know this. Jason Tatum, illness. That's because he feels bad that he fractured his friend's face. Robert Williams, ankle sprain. So, but Robert Williams is probable. Everybody else, Jay, as well Jason as Al. Al. Al is probable too. Yeah, Al is probable. And then Jason Tatum is questionable. So, my take on this is they're going to give some of these guys that didn't get moved a bit of an extra play. So, maybe Pritchard gets a start. Maybe I really want to see Sam Hauser on his second start drop 95 freeze. I want to. <laughs> he might be back. He might be back, guys. I mean, that that's the other part of this. You he's know, had two games, right? Two yeah. games where he's looking and, good. And here's the thing that the shot, like just the way his his body language was when he was shooting against Philadelphia, it was that early season Sam Hauser where he's like, I'm mother effing Sam Hauser. I don't miss. Don't leave me open, bitch. Like I'm, I'm Sam Hauser. How dare you Barbecue leave me open? Chicken. <laughs> yeah, I mean he had like the the Larry Bird walk away without looking, you know, three point type swagger to him, where he's just like this isn't hitting, this isn't hitting rim. And I, by that I mean it's going swish, you know. And and so you know maybe that's one of the ways that we help supplement, you know, until we figure out what can happen in the buyout market. Sam Hauser continues to to step up, and and you know I we I think we all like Sam Hauser when he's in that shooting funk. It does make him a little bit harder to play, despite the fact that he works his butt off and he does give you some rebounding. He does give you you know a decent size, but when that shot's not there. It, you know, at a certain point, it is going to come back to bite you. You need him to hit shots. So, you know, I think that's one of the silver linings to potentially, a, you know, a big time hospital sees come game coming up tomorrow night is Sam Hauser hopefully continues to keep finding that rhythm. I interviewed Sam Hauser when he was a rookie. I remember this. I was going to say, anything plug, else you wanted to add it. to that? <laughs> any, any, any other insights to into into the into Sam's world that you can share with us? No, I was just giving myself some credibility. <laughs> All right, I'll go back in the archives. <laughs> no, I mean, nah, not really. Like he was, he was a chill dude. Like it was, um, he was just the dude. Just had a work ethic. Every time I spoke, like every every question was just like, you know, I've got to work. And sometimes you feel like they're being guarded when players say stuff like that. But when you sit back and you see their developments and you think what they had to do to get into the league and what they've got to do, like you know, you ask any player, press past, present, or future. The first thing they'll tell you is your the hard work starts when you get into the league, right? Like it's tough getting there. It's even tougher staying there because you got dudes coming from behind you every single year trying to take that spot. And uh, he was just like, "Yeah, I gotta work. Gotta keep working." And uh, he's working, dude. And he's yeah, had a he's had a slump. He's had a slump. But I think that that was an adjustment period for him, right? Like defenses stopped leaving him open. Mm-hmm. Like to start the year, everyone's like, Sam has a dude, just don't worry about him. He's just a no bang free. Oh, okay. He's not going to do that again. Oh, shit. He's done it again. And before you know, he's dropped like 12 on your dome, and you're yeah. just like, I don't get it. I will say that I do think that Blake Griffin had a big part in this. Like, Blake Griffin comes out, 
scores nine points off three straight threes. Sam Hauser sitting there like, I can't let this dude do this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the The, three-point guy. Adam, you're like the the, the bash bros of the three-point line, Blake Griffin (gasps) and Sam Hauser. (laughs) I was about to say splash, but that's Clay and Steph. Yeah, we Um, can't do that. (laughs) The swish bros, it doesn't sound good. The swish bros, no. I don't know. We'll come up with a name. We'll come up with something for him, but yeah. We'll come up with something. (laughs) Cooking up something. Yeah, give me time give me time I can work on it how many times like before the end of the episode or no 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 no. I gotta get in the lab on this one really need to get the brain muscles working have a brainstorm oh yeah <laughs> um, and for that I've run out of things to say it's getting late for me I'm just like mm, I want to yeah, joke my, around more than I want to my, my brain is, is mush from the deadline oh, so, I'm so this is, this is a, after this I'm, I'm I'm going for a walk my dog clear my head <laughs> and throw some music on I just need a, a, a break from basketball for a little Constantly. bit so I've been working for 18 hours I've took an hour and a half an hour and 30 away from the desk in 18 hours <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I need to go to sleep same yeah feel that <laughs> uh, with that being said Will I'm really really glad you came on please do it again everybody um make sure you go check out will show green with envy you can find it on any podcast feed anywhere will is there doing his daily well sorry not daily his morning box score where he's become quite famous he you will see him reading this out for the boston globe soon they will release a youtube (laughs) channel just for will um until then y'all everybody have a good day peace enjoy goodbye thank you cheers and my accent's not that hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs>